Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Paul Scarbina here. Welcome to another edition of Catfish Corner Predators Podcast. I'm Paul Scarbina, Predators beat writer for the Tennessean, joined by none other than Gentry Estes. We are here in Nashville tonight, not in Dallas. But um, we're going to talk about a few things. Tonight's game, some recent uh, goings on with COVID and looking forward. And uh, Gentry, I mean, you know, tonight's game, 7 nothing loss to the Stars. A lot of things went wrong for the Predators. Um, you know, I, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's early in the season, tough to say, you know, tough to make judgments, but a lot of old habits kind of creep back into the game tonight, bad special teams. They allowed a franchise tying record, five power play goals tonight, a shorthanded goal tonight. Um, their play at five on five was really good, but overall not a great performance. Um, but again, fourth game of the season against a team, you know, playing its first game of the season because of COVID, which uh, we'll get to later. But what was your impressions tonight and, and just kind of, you know, through the first four games of the season? Yeah, just, just woof. There's just bad on this one. And, and, and I do think you bring up a good point that it's so early that it's tempting to just kind of say, you know, it's one of those nights, move on, get him again in a couple of days. But for the Predators, it is old habits kind of peaking back up again. Like, You'd mentioned, you know, after the first game, we were talking about, well, you know, the first couple of games, they give up goals, they respond, they, they show kind of some mental toughness and resiliency that they've been talking about this whole time. Well, they fell apart tonight, just completely fell apart. And, it, you know, the special, the special teams numbers are, are a joke right now. And, and that isn't just the goals they allowed and the penalty kill, they're not scoring any on the power play either. Well, that, that's the flip side of it too, right, is that they were last in the league in the power play last season, and I think they're like one for 16 this season. That was something I thought could change and, and, and needed to change and still does need to change is that they have to – I mean, they just – if they're going to be successful, they have to be able to score on the power play. And, and so far this season, uh, one for 16, again, not a great start. And the, the penalty kill doesn't bother me quite as much because I think they're still trying to figure things out with that. The power play is something that – I mean, look, you know – you're you have five players against four or five players against three i mean even if your luck is bad you one of those has to bounce in every once in a while and the predators seem to find ways not to score and in fact allow other teams to score while they're on the power play which is makes it even worse and that and that's just you know a, a thing that i think they really have to address you know i think they've addressed the toughness they've addressed the mental fortitude thing for the most part um you know tonight was a stinker but you know, this this recurring problem of not being able to score on the power play is is something that, you know, David Poyle said something the other day that, that you know, along the lines of I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, they, they've been kind of living off the glory of 2017 for a while now, and and they made a lot of changes in the off season, which was a weird off season. I understand that, but um, you know, it was it was refreshing to hear him say that you know we have to stop living in the past here, and, and we have to start looking 
at the present and the future. And, you know, again, I, I don't lose my stuff over one bad game or two bad games or even three bad games. I mean, I'm, I'm just not that emotionally attached to sports in, in that way. I understand that fans are, but, you know, when you see the same thing popping up over and over again, you do have to start saying, well, this is definitely the problem. What are they going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. You start to say, this is what they are. And again, it is early. We're four games into the season here to be able to make these, these kind of judgments. It's probably too soon. I mean, I think, I, I mean, are you concerned about UC Soros at this point? Because UC has been, I mean, tonight, I, I, you know, most of those goals weren't, his, I mean, when you, when you give up shorthanded goals and you're giving up power play goals, I mean, how is that the goalie's fault? A couple, a couple of really pretty goals too. Those deflections, they, they were they were well, either it bounced right or they were well done. But it was pretty, it was pretty to watch. And and and, and, and I know old Nashville nemesis who used to who spent some time here had an and, and uncelebrated departure. Alexander Alexander Radulov burned them again for for two goals tonight. You know, he seems to always play well against the Predators. Um, but look, Saros has played. You know, he he he's been one of the best goalies through the first two or three games of the season. Again, short, small sample size. But um, no, I'm not concerned about UC at all. I don't I don't think that's a problem. I think you know, look, they took too many penalties tonight. Their their third D pairing, which has been a strength for them, which is a huge weakness last year, uh, really hurt them tonight because because Benning and, and Borovetsky or however you mispronounce his last name. Um, took some bad penalties, put them in some bad spots. Those are two of their best penalty killers. And when two of your best penalty killers are in the penalty box, it's hard to kill penalties. So, you know, it, it's just that, that vicious circle for them that, that seems to, to you know, when it, when it rains, it pours. Last year they gave up five power play goals against the Canucks, I believe, uh, in a game, and that was a, an ugly one. Tonight, again, just an ugly one. You're going to have these throughout a season. The good news, I think, for them is, you know, there's not a lot of time to dwell on it. This season, there's not going to be a lot of time to dwell on anything. Either you're going to fix it or you're not, and you're going to be who you're going to be. Uh, you know, they play the Stars again Sunday. Huge game. Huge I, game to get that turned around and, and to try to answer this. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, again, it's it's the season is going to be so different in that way where you're going to have a chance right away to make amends or to further perpetuate the problems that you have. So you're going to be able to, in other words, what I'm saying is you're going to be able to find out a lot, a lot more quickly this season uh, in terms of how things are being addressed and what really are the problems. So, you know, again, I wouldn't panic over one loss. Uh, another thing, too, that we need to talk about is, is Mikhail Granlund's back now. Um, Rocco Grimaldi seems to be the unfortunate healthy scratch every time some somebody comes back, and I think Rocco's is one of the team's maybe not best players, but more most reliable players for sure. Uh, he gets a healthy scratch tonight. Mikhail Granlin comes back and looks like he hasn't really missed a beat. You know, he had some immigration issues. He missed all the training camp, missed the first three games of the season. I was kind of surprised that they played him tonight, um, but he didn't look like he didn't belong out there. Uh, he was one of the, the positives for the Predators, who, by the way, played a very good first period tonight. Uh, it was 0-0 after the first, and they allowed five goals in the second. But, um, you know, Granlin coming back, playing on that second line, uh, under Hines, who he's improved tremendously under, you know, he, he struggled under Laviolette a lot. But Granlin um, could, you know, help on that second line with Duchesne and, and give the Predators – look, th this team, Gentry, has been offensively challenged for a few years now. Um, and, and they need him to score. They need Forsberg. They need the Jofa line. Uh, their highest-paid players, as we said all along, need to, to play like it. 
Uh, and Granlin tonight, you know, despite the seven nothing loss, um, jumped right in there and looked like he hadn't missed training camp. So I think that's one thing that you can take from it that going forward is, you know, get, getting him back as a positive. Now, who that's who that's going to cause to not play is going to be the question. Here's here's what I wonder, and and you're seeing. Uh, it, it did surprise me a little to see Grimaldi as the the healthy scratch because when you look at you still got a lot of new faces out there and this hasn't played out the way it was kind of pitched in the offseason, which was a real youth movement. You know, you're talking about guys like Tolvin and getting into that second line and you you just haven't seen that yet. Do you think we're going to see that given the moves they made to kind of to make sure they didn't have to, but at the same time, you need something, you need something if- you're not getting. I think if things go south quickly, you'll see that. But I think, uh, you know, uh, and I, I was, you know, look, Granlin, Poyle said Granlin wasn't coming back. But I think COVID changed a lot of things. You know, the, the shortened season changed a lot of things and a lot of philosophies that a lot of teams had. Most of these guys that they brought in uh, are in one-year contracts. I mean, because nobody knows what's going to happen after this season. And it's hard to, you know, the, the teams are starting to think a lot shorter term now. And I understand that Poyle said all that. And I, and I, you know, look, I'm not going to defend the man. He's, you know, he's been doing this a long time, but I do see his perspective of changing the philosophy and saying, look, right now is not the time that in a shortened season, it's so compact. It's not the time for guys to be learning. If we're going to try to be competitive, if they were to say, well, we're going to play Tolman and, 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 you know, Tomasino and some of these other guys, uh, essentially to me, that says that, well, we're, we're not going to try to win this season. Or, or that's not the number one priority uh, over the course of an 82 game season with a lot of days off in between and all that, you, you can afford to get guys in there. Now, I think you have to, you have to be tougher. You have to have guys who are proven. Otherwise you're rolling the dice. Now, I think, again, like I said, if things go South quickly, uh, I think you will see that. And, and I think you should see that. Um, but as far as, you know, I, don't, I don't feel like Poyle went back on his word. I just think he changed. He, he, he felt like he had to change the plan based on what was in front of them in terms of, you know, the, the, the shorter season and, and whatnot. And, and look it, tonight withstanding, I mean, it, you look at the third pairing with, with Benning and, and Borowitzki and, you know, you look at, at Cunning who, who's played well, you know, the, the first three games, um, you know, again, it's one, it's such, it's so hard to judge by such a small sample size, but we could say that all season because the games are going to fly by. I mean, this season is going to fly by. Yep. Uh, so things get get out of hand very, very quickly, and you know I think if if, if it does get that way, uh, we'll know it. We'll know it quickly. We'll know who they are quickly, and we'll know going forward is Tolvin going to get that chance. And, and and you're right. I mean, a few months ago we were talking about Tolvin and playing on the second line, and now he's on the taxi squad, and he hasn't seen a second of playing time. So, um, you know. I mean, he's either good enough to help you or he's not. That's kind of my view on this. It's it's at this point, uh, you know, I, if this again four games, everything we're saying here, we we could come back in a week and be like, oh, you know, that it looks totally different. It looked totally different if they went on Sunday. I, I think, given the the shortened season, if you can stop a stop any kind of crazy slump before it gets started. Well, and two, you look at the, the game against Carolina on on. Whatever it was Monday night, uh, the Predators played well. They lost, but it was one of those games that they very easily could have won. They they were the better team for most of that game, and they lost. I mean that that happens. So, 
you know, it's, it's one of those things, like you say, we have to give it time and it, it, but we're going to run out of time to keep saying we have to give it to give it time because this season is going to go by quickly. I think one more thing we need to mention too, is uh, the predators announced uh, this week that, that fans, a limited number of fans will be allowed inside Bridgestone beginning next week uh, when the, when the predators play the Blackhawks, it's a, it's a season ticket holder lottery thing. So, you know, the general public doesn't really have a shot at, at, at those tickets. Um, I'd be interested to see how, all that plays out. Um, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference in terms of home ice advantage or anything. I think it will be nice for the fans, some fans to be able to, to get in the building and, and see a game. Um, I think that, you know what? I think the Dallas fans were noticeable tonight. You heard them. Yeah, I did. I mean, although I, I, I hate, I, I'm one of those people that uh, hockey's my favorite sport to watch in person and my least favorite sport to watch on TV. Cause I think you miss so much. I do think that hockey presented on TV without fans is the best to watch of all the, major leagues because I just think it's less noticeable that they're not there. It's way more noticeable in person that they're not there. Um, well, we, we heard the goal song there a lot. The, uh, the, <laughs> the stars, you know, with the, with the heavy metal there. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's well, plenty and, of that tonight. And the stars raised the banner for their Western conference championship last season, which I thought was pretty funny considering all the flack the predators get for raising banners and not winning anything. So, uh, you know, as I've pointed out through my travels the last couple of years, there's a lot, there are a lot of banners hanging in a lot of buildings that, that, you know, symbolize nothing. Uh, and, and the predators catch a lot of flack for it. And, and to their credit, you know, they, they, uh, you know, they, they, they poke fun at themselves for it, but uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty funny that, that that was the case, but, but look, Hey, you know, Pecorino got his first start the other night. Um, I thought he played pretty well in the, in the, in the loss, really. And he did. He did. And and I think, you know, you look at the final score tonight and you see seven to nothing. It's like, man, the goalies must be terrible. And, and it's really not I, the case. I, I, I still don't see a big gap between UC and Pekka. I know everyone thinks that now that UC is kind of a trending up and Pekka is getting older. But I, I still think on any given night, Pekka is a guy who can go win you a game pretty easily. You know, I, I – I'll disagree with you a little bit there. I think UC has shown a lot more consistency than Pekka, but I do think that, um, you know, and I'm the NHL coach, obviously, but uh, if there's a big game, I mean, you know, uh, it, it's hard to know what Saros is going to do in it. And, and we saw a little bit last year in the, in the play-in games, which weren't playoff games technically. But, um, look, the time's coming, you know, and, and you know, they, and they just drafted a, a, a hot shot goalie. So I don't even know how much time Saros is going to have you know, maybe two or three years to, to, to really prove it. Uh, if, if this kid that they drafted is on the fast track, like everybody believes, but, you know, again, I'm more of a wait and see guy than a, a look ahead guy. Uh, you know, in sports, I've learned that in, in years of doing this, I mean, it's fun to, it's fun to prognosticate and, and look ahead and predict and be wrong most of the time. Um, and it's also fun, I guess, as a fan to panic or get too high or too low with a great start or whatever. I'm a lot more even keeled about it. I certainly understand the excitement that surrounds it and, and, and get that, but you know, you know, tonight, tonight was a bad loss, but two losses can't become three, become four, become five. Because if you get into that, the way this season is set up, you're, you're in real trouble. Yep. And, 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 and this is, this is a team that can slump. They've shown last year, they can get into these little funks for a couple of weeks and, you know, I think they're they're getting tested right away. I, I don't think that's a big shock. You know, once the season started, you're 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 gonna that resiliency that we've been hearing about, the mental toughness, all these things tougher to play against. You know, okay, we'll see what happens when things aren't going well. 
it's time to see what happens when things aren't going well. And the, and the key is too before we before we go, Gentry, is that you know they have two games against the Blackhawks next week. Uh, there's a lot of this division they're in is is interesting because it's very top heavy and very bottom heavy. And if the Predators beat the teams they should beat, i.e. the Blackhawks, i.e. the Red Wings, you know teams like that, the Panthers, um, then they'll be fine in terms of making the playoffs. You know, and that's going to be the difference this season for them is going to be, can they beat the lightning? Can they beat the stars? Can they beat the blue jackets? Yeah, And the thing is they have done that in the past, to be fair, they played well. They played well against the lightning last season. Even after the winter classic, they did get some wins late in the year against the stars. You see in particular played outstanding against the stars. Yeah. But if you know, again, if you beat the team you're supposed to beat and beat some of the teams you're not supposed to beat, then you put yourself in the position to be where you want to be. And that's, and, and that's kind of, you know, all that can be the hope for, but um, you know, I, I, again, I think it, it's just, we'll be doing a little, I think our, our podcast might be a little bit more frequent this year, just because of the pace of the season. So we'll be able to kind of keep track a little bit more and stay, stay more up to date and, 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 and kind of have a better feeling a lot more quickly about how things are going to go. But um, you know, it, it's, and I understand tonight you figured out a way to uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people have been having trouble finding Predators games. You don't have. I'm not asking you to share your secret, but it's been a frustration among some fans that they can't find. <laughs> no, that they that they can't find a way to watch the games, and I think that's something that you know. Again, with not having fans there. Um, tonight's know, tonight's game happened to be on ESPN Plus. Okay, so but I'm, but but there's been a lot of talk about you know how do I find it, local blackouts, stuff like that, and and. You know that's just a weird thing to me with the NHL and and the, the, the television, you know, providers doing that in a season where you can't go to games for the most part. So I I hope that people find a way to watch it. Um, it's good that fans are starting to be allowed back in the arena. That's especially tough when no fans are are, are able to go. And I, I know it's still going to be a small number, and they're doing like a lottery. But to to get look, I, I thought coming into the season. The idea that they weren't going to be able to have many fans at, at Bridgestone could really hurt the Predators. Well, they, 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 they have a good atmosphere. And, and whereas, and I wrote this, I think it actually kind of helped the Titans because the Titans went to a lot of tough places to play in the NFL and benefited from there being no fans there. I think the Preds get hurt by that. I think they have a better atmosphere than a, uh, enough to where I think they feed off that. And it actually, uh, it actually could hurt them. And I think part of the reason also is the TV aspect of it, the no fans being at Bridgestone arena, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to keep up. If you're, if you have Hulu and YouTube TV and you're not able to get the games. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I'll be honest with you, Gentry. I don't follow all that. I just, I mean, I have cable, so I'm able to, to watch the games and I don't normally watch the games on TV anyway during a normal season, but now it's, it's been an interesting experience to be able to kind of look at it from this point of view. But, you know, I just hope they get it figured out because I, you know, and you're right. Bridgestone is, you know, opposing teams don't necessarily love to come there. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with, with the atmosphere and the fans. Um, and, and I don't know what Broadway is anything to do with it, but, uh, but anyway, you know, I, it's been it's going to be a weird season. It's been weird so far, and when we know that, I just hope it could be a little bit less weird for people, and we can figure out a way to, you know, people people who want to watch can watch. But um, I'm interested to go next week to see, you know, what it's going to be like with a few fans there. I I, I just every little new thing is a, is a new experience, and it'll be interesting to hear, to to see that. 
But uh, anyway, uh, that'll do it for this edition of Catfish Corner. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite uh, podcast subscription, whether that's iTunes, Google, or Google Play, or wherever. Um, you can drop us a review or a rating while you're at it. And uh, for Gentry Estes, I'm Paul Scarvina. We'll talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.